Hi there. This is Allison McGee, your host, coming to you from my dining table, which is rarely used for dining, but often used for recording podcasts. It was 25 degrees in Minneapolis yesterday, the same week that saw eight inches of snow, the second biggest October snowfall in Minnesota history. I was here for the first, known infamously as the Halloween blizzard. Minnesotans are fond of bragging about their weather, which drove me nuts when I first moved here, because hello, there are plenty of places, places I myself grew up in and have personally lived, such as upstate New York, Vermont, Boston, that also get very severe winters. And does not Minnesota end where an entire country to our north begins? Oh, this still drives me nuts about Minnesota, but then again, listen to me sitting here talking to you about weather. (laughs) I think it's time to move on. A listener in England named Hugh wrote in last week to tell me that his father had recently died, and when going through his belongings, he found a journal in a desk drawer filled with poems that his father had copied down, poems by various poets, and also poems that he assumes his father had written himself. I never even knew he liked poetry, Hugh wrote, and it makes me wonder what else my father thought about and devoted time to that I never knew. Should I have asked him more about his life? Was there something about me that made him shy to share what he loved? Hugh's note made me think about my own journals, plain composition books or simple three-hole punch notebooks that I've kept on and off over the years, all of which I've thrown away just for this reason, because I don't want my kids to find them at some point in the future and wonder what else they didn't know about me. And Hugh's note makes me think about my mother, an only an entirely unexpected child, born late in life, much later back then than it would be now. My grandmother was 40 when she was born. Born and raised in Manhattan by very poor, but very arts-loving parents. Her father played the violin, Classical music was always on the record player in their apartment, and her mother loved music and beauty, admired fashion and classic movie stars, and in fact was a model for a tire company when she was young. My mother, who always wanted to live way out in the country, and boy has she ever, (laughs) moved to the foothills of the Adirondacks when she and my farm boy father got married. Despite living in extreme rurality, which isn't a word and which should not be, because I just said it for the first time and it's very hard to say, now I'm thinking of Jenna in 30 Rock and her movie Rural Juror. Anybody watch that? Anyway, my mother tried her best to instill an appreciation of culture in her own four children. This was a strictly uphill battle. She used to sign us up for things entirely against our will, such as the Symphony Usherat program in Utica, a little city 20 miles south from our 150 acres of woods and fields. 
Being a symphony usherette meant escorting symphony attendees to their seats with the reward, in quotes, air quotes, of then being able to listen to the concert for free, which sounds great, right? It certainly sounds great to me at this age. But back then, we were semi-feral teenagers, raised in the woods, and we resisted our mother's valiant efforts by one, never really learning the seating layout of the auditorium, thereby leading elderly patrons up and down various aisles while apologizing profusely, and two, fleeing to the nearest McDonald's in our long symphony usherette dresses the minute the orchestra started up. The one thing my mother did that actually worked, though, was to take us to the Munson Williams Proctor Museum of Art, also in Utica. We went there a lot. I can still see the galleries in my mind. Our mother didn't try to teach us anything about art. I'm not sure she even knew much about art herself at that point. She just let us wander around. My sisters and I were transfixed from an early age by the Voyage of Life, which was a series of four paintings by a man named Thomas Cole. Each had its own title, childhood, youth, manhood, old age. They were huge, majestic, old school oil paintings. The result of this is that my whole life I've thought about those paintings, pictured them in my mind. I loved them as a child, but they also disturbed me. There was a sense of inevitability, the passage of time, progressing from childhood to old age. And the last painting in the series, the old age one, always felt to me as if the artist had stroked pain out onto that canvas. Resignation, loss. Thinking about it now brings those same feelings back to me. The last time I was at Munson Williams was many, many years ago. I pushed my grandmother around in a wheelchair and we admired the art. There was the voyage of life in its customary place. I remember resolutely pushing her past that last painting. I wish I could paint the same way I wish I could write music. That painter Thomas Cole knew exactly what he was doing, even though he was just a young man when he painted The Voyage of Life. The closest thing that writer me has to The Voyage of Life paintings are the quotes I have taped to my laptop over the years. There have been only three. The first, a diamond is a piece of coal that stuck with the job. That one stayed on my various computers for maybe 10 years. The second, write a little every day without hope and without despair. That one also lasted maybe 10 years. And there must have come a day when Thomas Cole looked at his fourth painting, Old Age, and thought, okay, I guess I can't do anymore. And then he must have put down his paintbrush and moved on to something else. Now I am on my third taped up quote, a line I heard in a song by one of my favorite singers, make yourself a blessing. That one's still in progress. Maybe it'll be the one that outlasts me. Some of us have oil paints and paintbrushes and giant canvases that hang in art museums where little girls stand before them transfixed, 
absorbing something that they'll never forget. Some of us keep journals to be found, or not found, by our children after we're gone, the way Hugh found his father's poems. And some of us have precise V5 fine rolling ball black pens and scratch paper that we use to jot down shopping lists and to-do lists, and once in a while a quote that we tape to our laptops, one that might last us the rest of our lives. When I think about Hugh's wonderings about his father and the way the Voyage of Life paintings hang in my own mind, it's this poem by William Butler Yeats that comes to mind. Here you go. The Wild Swans of Cool by William Butler Yeats The trees are in their autumn beauty. The woodland paths are dry. Under the October twilight, the water mirrors a still sky. Upon the brimming water, among the stones, are nine and fifty swans. The nineteenth autumn has come upon me since I first made my count. I saw, before I had well finished, all suddenly mount, and scatter wheeling in great broken rings upon their clamorous wings. I have looked upon those brilliant creatures, and now my heart is sore. All's changed since I, hearing at twilight, the first time on this shore, the bell beat of their wings above my head, trod with a lighter tread. Unwearied still, lover by lover, they paddle in the cold, companionable streams, or climb the air. Their hearts have not grown old. Passion or conquest, wander where they will, attend upon them still. But now they drift on the still water, mysterious, beautiful. Among what rushes will they build, by what lake's edge or pool, delight men's eyes when I wake some day, to find they have flown away? That is it for today, my friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, send the link to someone who else might, and give us a good rating wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music composed and performed by Kelly Krebs. Today's poem, The Wild Swans of Cool, by William Butler Yeats, is in the public domain and was read by Luke O'Brien. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, former symphony usherette Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through, and I will go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been helping me since I was a little girl. Send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com, or drop me a line at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. 
For more info, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it's rough out there, and we have to help each other through.